so Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira. This is going to be a very, very interesting and big fight to watch. And Michael Chandler, who recently made his debut into the UFC successfully, but as well, I might add, against an hooker at UFC 257. So, um, this matchup um, between um, Charles Oliveira and um, Michael Chandler. So, I looked at Michael, Michael Chandler. I have to say that um, to begin with, I'm surprised I'd never heard of him um, before. Um, Moving into the before he um before he uh, made his transition and debut into the UFC because he sounded like to me anyway he sounded like someone who um who I must who I must have known about but actually I was, I was taken aback by by the fact that his fight against Dan Hooker UFC two fifty seven was his first um UFC fight I mean that probably just is my fault I I wasn't paying too much attention to the neither wasn't following the right news as I should have been in MMA um but from what I gather. He is actually one of the he's one of the top um the one of the top ten ranked um lightweights in Bellator, and I think one one of my last podcasts I said that he had defended his title at least two two or three times two or three times between twenty eleven and twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, but at least before he went to the UFC. So Michael Chandler is um is ranked what at number four or number three at the in the UFC lightweight um, lightweight division, um. So and I may, may be wrong when I say that. Not not even write that down. That's not helpful. But anyway, looking at just to kind of gauge uh, out of um, the fight, just what will happen in my prediction anyway. I'm just looking at the um, the fighting stance. So look at Michael Chandler when he fought Ben Henderson at back of Bellator 243, one of his last Bellator fights before he left Bellator and moved to the UFC. So it, it was uh, it was a good fight. Um, he he, Chandler um, ended the fight within the first round. You know he showed good stand up, and was very smart with his energy. He didn't go in there just um throwing everything he had into the fight, just um with counter strikes, leg kicks here and there, and just attacking his opponent um quickly. You know he was smart with his, with his energy. Um, he didn't go in for an attack straight away. He you know he was calculating how he would attack his opponent, waiting for the right time before he would attack and strike. And his record, he has um, currently 22 wins and 5 losses. Yeah, and he st- currently stands at um, ranking number 4 in the lightweight division. Um, so, and also to add to his resume, um, when he moved to the UFC, um, his first fight, his debut fight in the UFC at UFC 257 against Dan Hooker, he successfully won that fight also. Uh, Charles Oliveira, looking at his, uh, one of his past fights, his most recent fight against Tony Ferguson at UFC 256. Um, so one thing I did notice in the fight is that he's very good with takedowns. Um, now they say that you're only as good as your last fight, whether you won or you lost. But I do know that that's in MMA. Uh, most athletes they'll have their weaknesses and their strengths. Um, they're good at takedowns. They're good at their ground games. Will be good. Their striking game. They're good. Then their stand up will be really good. Um, but of course, when they when they're gonna fight a particular fight because they want a title shot or a money fight. They're gonna, have, of course, gonna have to go back to the drawing board and look at their opponent. You know, their, their opponents, their opponents' weaknesses, their strengths, and just just to have a good, just have a good idea about the sort of person they're gonna be dealing with there in the octagon, and uh, you know the sort of fighting stance they're gonna use that's gonna be that's gonna be best um, suited to them. They'll give them the best advantage in their fight because, of course, in any fight, any in any competition, you want to win. Sorry, guys, just had to adjust the gain on my um, audio interface there. 
then you know um, you know yeah um any fight um any competition in terms of mma the, you know the fighters want to have the advantage as much as possible so they can win because you know that's the end game that is the end goal in mma you want to win the fight you know winning solves everything as i heard from um one podcast um i can't put my my finger on it you know but yeah winning solves everything and that makes sense not just in mma but elsewhere in life um so yeah i did notice that um charles Oliver his takedowns are very good i think when he was fighting tony ferguson back at ufc 256 i thought that he did win um he um on two occasions i saw two occasions i saw in the fight he um, managed to pick up his opponent and uh, kind of body slammed them <laughs> into into a takedown and he did a good job of keeping his opponent on the floor there you know his ground game is is very good um now he has a record of 30 wins and eight losses and currently he stands at number three in the um, ufc lightweight in the ufc lightweight division um so between these two um i have to say that i think it'll be close and i think if if there's going to be a winner i think it's going to be um charles Oliveira. I think it's going to be Charles Oliveira. I don't know why I keep getting tongue twisted and why I keep my voice keeps dying when I'm pronouncing certain names. But for the third time, I think in this fight, if it does go one way, I think the winner will be the successor will be Charles Oliveira. Um, I would have I would have said um uh, Michael Chandler because Michael Chandler looks like he can pack in a seriously heavy um, strike on the left. But whether how he's going to hit you, you know, there's going to be a lot of power coming behind that punch behind that strike. Well, on the other hand, um. Charles Oliver, I think he has the advantage of um, his takedowns. His takedowns are very good, and his ground games are grappling, wrestling, and game is also very good as well. He's good at keeping his opponents um, on the ground for a long while. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what else or much else um, what else I could add to that. But in my own personal opinion, I do believe that um, uh, Charles Oliveira would have the upper hand here. If it does go the other way, probably it's just by that the fight will be very close or by sheer luck that Michael Chandler just probably gets a good um, knockout in there very early and just drops his opponent, you know, very early on in the game. It'll be uh, interesting to see how that goes. So, and um, yeah, relating to this um, point about this um, fight, I should point out, and uh, something that really should have been obvious to me, but when I looked into it, that's when I realised that um, yeah, there's something that should have been obvious and something I should have picked on um, sooner. In that, and in, in the upper um, places on the upper rankings of the lightweight division for the UFC, um, Justin Gaethje um, has um, had come out recently, and he was saying that he did feel disrespected by Dana White um, because he had been overlooked for um, a chance at a title shot because he's currently sitting at number two in the lightweight um, ranking division. Now he's got 22 wins and three losses. Which I think is a better record um, than what um, Dustin, not not Dustin, is a better record than what um, Michael Chandler has. I think Michael Chandler has twenty-two wins but five losses, so um, just two more extra losses than um, Justin Gaethje. Now I can understand the reason why Justin Gaethje would feel disrespected because he's uh, currently sitting at a higher ranking than either one of these guys. So it doesn't matter who his who who he'd be fighting but he'd be fighting at least one of them and when he wins it moves him up on just one one place um, closer to getting the title shot or to the champion position and um, 
well, it doesn't matter who he fights, but you know, he it gives him him the advantage, and I can see and what he means because if he's sitting at a higher ranking and um, higher than either one of these two guys, then naturally I would assume that Dana White would have given the opportunity to him rather than giving it to um, either one of the other guys. So that I can understand. But I mean, what do you th- guys think? As well as the fight between um, Michael Chandler and um, Charles Oliveira, who do you think would win? And do you think that Justin Gaethje should have been given the opportunity to fight either one of these guys instead of one of the other two guys fighting the other guy? Um, what do you think? Do you think um, it should, the opportunity should have gone to Justin Gaethje or do you think Dana White made the right decision keeping it as it is between Michael Chandler and um, Charles Oliveira? So, another question that's um, that's is kind of on my mind and quite on the minds of so many other people's on the sport because when a fighter, unless if the telltale signs are there in terms of age, the performance isn't there, isn't really what it was or what it used to be, um, and maybe they're just not so entertaining to watch um, anymore um, in terms of fighting. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov has said that he, in fact, he said back at um, was it was it UFC two fifty two or two fifty four to two fifty two? I can't really remember the fight where that he fought um, Justin Gaethje and won, bringing his bringing his record of from twenty eight and 0 up to twenty nine and 0. Um He announced almost immediately after that fight that he would be retiring and that would be it, and. Um, yeah, no more fights uh, fighting for him in the um, sports sports of MMA. Thing is, though, one, once he had said that, between then and now, there was always rumors going back and forth that he, you know, he, that he wasn't fully retired. He wasn't retired at all. That he will be coming back to um, fight um, at least just one more fight because his father did say that he wanted his uh, son, he wanted his son to if he was going to retire or if he was going to quit the sport of mixed martial arts for any reason. He should do so when his record is at is at at least thirty and zero. Um, uh, you know, so there were, there have been rumors um about um him. Finally, he's saying he's quit the sport. He's retired. Not necessarily quit, but he's retired. And um, there were still rumors, rumors of talks between himself and Dana. Rumors anyway, um, of him coming back to the sport just at least to fight one last time. Uh, but those rumors never came. Didn't yield anything. Um, didn't yield anything. Um, or weren't true. Basic. Um, basically, because um, he, it didn't. God, I'm jumping my words here. Um, whatever rumors were uh, were made uh, or were going around, they weren't entirely true because he um, he never ever said anything about coming back to this sport. Um, that he would come back to fight one last time or to fight GSP, as many people were kind of rooting and hoping he would do um, he actually came out and kind of rubbished those claims that he's not going to fight GSP GSP is 40 years old now he's too old to fight or he's a lot older than me to fight leave him alone give him that respect um, but now even now, even though um, it's officially been said that he has retired because now he's vacated the the, um, the belt for the lightweight um, division in the UFC which is um, which is the reason why now we're having this um the um the fight between Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira. That's the reason why that can go ahead and it's officially going to happen because the um uh, the person holding the, the championship belt has vacated it now. But regardless of that being said, 
will he actually stay retired because Khabib's only 32 years old um, even though he's married uh, with his own family and he has said um, not just by himself but also through other uh, other people he's close to um, Alvaro Mendes um, one of the coaches at um, American Kickboxing Academy over in California aka um, he even said himself that if Khabib was going to come back to this world it would have to be like a collective family decision especially between himself and his mother um, his mother re- really would um, have almost like what really would have to have the final say on the whole matter um, so it, it's not like a simple de- decision that he would have to make him himself but culturally it's something that you have to consult all members of your background and your family before you can go ahead and make up your mind but I mean he's only 30 years old he's got a record of 29 and 0 although his father did want him to want him to have a record of 13 0 and this guy, um, he's the he. What can I say? He was or well, no, he is. He's a pound for pound for pound number one in the UFC. He's world champion. He's defended his title several times, and he's won the biggest fight in in the UFC in the UFC history. So, you looking at just looking at all these bullet points that I've outlined here, you can say that you know in terms of mixed martial arts, especially in, in the biggest mixed martial arts promotion promoting um fighting organization in the world that we have currently the UFC um, you can kind of say for this athlete they've done it all so if there's anything that, that they're going to be pursuing anything they're going to be pursuing further it's just going to be the financial gain or money because all the achievements um, you know and being world champion and holding a title and defending that title on multiple occasions uh, generating a lot of pe- uh, um, people uh, um, drawing in and generating a lot of pay-per-views for a particular fasting event they've done that you know he's a legendary name in the sport he's a, a huge name in the sport you know everybody knows his name around the world especially in the in the u.s and in russia where he's from so you know he's done it also you know like some of his other teammates were saying those who other teammates you know who are close to him they were saying what else is he going to do i mean he's all the achievements that any mixed martial artist in his shoes would like to achieve would like would you know the dream basically he's done it so there's anything else that he's um, going to be going after or pursuing it's going to be the financial reward or when i say outside of the financial reward um when i'm saying um when i'm talking about something else other than money maybe it's just increase his uh, fighting record from 29 and 0 to 30 and 0 you know, 30 wins and absolutely no losses at all. And that is something that his father would would have wanted. And I'm sure his mother is aware of that also. But again, it's what he wants, what she wants and what the rest of his family wants. Because again, you know, culturally where he comes from, it's not a simple decision you can make on your own. It's something you've got to consult your family and your background. Um, you've, got, you've got to consult other members of your family and background um, to do um, to discuss about to talk about before you can go ahead and make up your mind um so for me personally i um i don't think he's i can say i can say personally but this is my own opinion my own opinion and in future things may change things may not change um i don't think he's going to stay retired he's only 32 years old um he's still young and even the next three or four years he's going to be what 35 36 even 37 and that age you know even though in um, sports standards in mixed martial arts standards that is when you reach your late 30s early 40s that's considered old but not too old you can still 
compete in the sport and still, you know, you can still win. Gloria Teixeira is a good example. Um, he's about 41 or 42 years old. But he can still compete in the sport. And with someone like Khabib, you know, he's such um, he's, he's such a good fighter, especially especially he's such a good wrestler. You know, um, many people, even I'm of the same opinion that if even if he were to retire, stay away from the sport for two or three years, if, if he were to come back, he um, would still perform and do, um, you know, do really, really well. And a lot of people still want, to, I would, including myself, a lot of people still want to see him um, fight. A lot of people will still be very eager to see him fight, you know, see him back in the octagon there doing what he does best. So um, he st- he'll still be very exciting to watch. So, um, yeah, that's my, I just want to give my opinion on that. You know, do you think he'll stay retired? Just want to put that question out there to, um, to my viewers and to my listeners. Do you think he'll stay retired? Um, yeah, what do you guys think? So, of course, the other um, obvious thing the um, that, that I haven't mentioned is UFC 26 is going to be taking place this weekend. And um, so, I'll start looking at the main card, start, starting from the... Um, bottom and working my way up so first up is jamie malaki from australia and karma uh, where the um fighting in the lightweight division my throat a little bit so guys um yeah jamie malaki versus karma worthy uh, Jamie Malarkey is a an Australian UFC, um, mixed martial artist who I've never heard of, only up until now. In fact, Karma Worthy is someone who I've never heard of either. But looking on the internet, um, there seems to be more information about Karma Worthy than this does seem to be about Jamie Malarkey. Uh, I'm not sure if that means anything, but I'm assuming that Karma Worthy may, may be a bit better well known than Jamie Malarkey will be. So Malachi has, has so far fought 16, 16 fights, has 12, had twelve wins, and four losses. So, mm, so far the fights he's had in the UFC, he has unfortunately unfortunately lost them since joining the UFC. And um, so I looked at his um past fights just to get a a good idea of what his um performance is like, what his fighting style is like. Um, so when he fought um, a guy called First Zayn back at UFC Fight Night 180, he lost. But his stand-up did seem um, pretty good, and his ground game did seem um, um, didn't seem too bad either. Now on the other on the other other side, on the flip side, Karma Worthy um, when he fought um, Otman Azata at UFC Vegas 10, it didn't. I don't know what the word is I can use the terminology I can use to describe two people in the octagon that are just it's like the beginning of a fight. They're not they haven't just well, not that you both agree, but one you know, they're not when the, the bell goes and the the fight starts, they're not actually going to going for each other, really gunning for and really getting into it. They're kind of like I'm not sure what the terminology to use where two people are pacing kind of backwards and forwards, just um trying to um, calculating just thinking and just strategically strategically planning how they're going to attack the, the the other opponent i'm not sure of the terminology to use it maybe it's what i do know but i don't can't think what off the top think of it off the top of my head so in that fight when he fought um when worthy fought osman 
Osman did lit, um, did land um, some heavy punches there, heavy left hand, and then heavy right hand, and just finished um, the um, finished a worthy off with counter strikes. And then his other fight against um, Louis um, Pena at uh, UFC Vegas four, his stand up was good, and he did seem to have well in that particular fight, he did seem to have like a long reach, and he did um, defend himself quite well on the takedowns. Now, out of these two, who do I think would win? Probably, and again, I say this as a novice, I think maybe Worthy would win. Um, I think it might be close. Um, could be close. Um, because both sides do have um, pretty, a pretty good ground game. Probably more uh, more so Worthy uh, more than Malarkey. But mm, wait and see what happens. And basically... Um, uh, of course, in this sport, as I've heard before, two plus two never never equals four. It just just doesn't work that way in, in mixed martial arts ever. Uh, so it'll be it'll be an interest, interesting fight to watch. Let's see how because I think it'll be close, but I think if it does go one way, I think Karma Worthy will win. Moving up, still we have Sean O'Malley versus Thomas Almeida. Now, Sean O'Malley, I'll, I will know who he is because of his nicely coloured hair. Now, they're going to be fighting in the bantamweight division and looking at Sean O'Malley in his last fight, UFC 252, against Marlon Vera. Um, and looking at O'Malley's record, he, he was coming off a really long win, winning streak there. Um, his fight, his last fight was a loss, but all the rest he had won. 12 wins and just one loss. Um, so, in the, his previous fight, he did, look to, he did look like he was landing very good, heavy kicks, and what do I call it? Yeah, push kicks. Um, a lot of those, and uh, he he's like one of those fighters that he likes to trick and trap his opponent. Yeah, he's going to lunge forward and and, and attack you. No, no, he's not going to. He pulls back. So that's his look, looks like his fighting style. But again, as I said at the beginning of the um, at the beginning of this episode, um, you know, every fighter will not necessarily fight in the same way. It depends on the sort of opponent they're fighting. They're going to fight in a way that's going to benefit them. And just to benefit them in that situation, that in that particular fight, depending on who they're fighting. Now, on the other side, Thomas Almeida, um, his last fight against Rob Font, um, which was at UFC 220, that's way back in what, now 2018. So, but looking at his record, Almeida has 22 wins and four losses. And um, looking at his last fight, his past fight, Stand up looked good. Um, some he can dish out some good leg kicks, and his striking is good as well. And um, he knows he seems like he knows how to move quite well. You know, in such a way that you avoid being hit, almost like how Stephen Wonderboy moves in his fight in um, was it UFC Vegas seventeen. He moved really well, and he managed to avoid getting hit. So that's his fighting style. But out of these two, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be close. I mean. Looking at their two, at their last fights of each fighter, I didn't see too much of a ground game as such, unless it, it came from the other the other person when they took them down in the takedown. Um, who do I think would win? Who do I think would win? Da, 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 da. Um, mm, I think. Let me think. Um. If I, if I had to place my money, if I had to bet, if I was a betting person, if I was forced to bet, I probably, probably would side with Thomas Almeida. Yeah, probably him. But again, you know, it could go the other way. You know, there are many fights in the past I've 
novicely um naively predicts them that this person's gonna win and I wake up the next morning just looking at the highlights and the just the message feeds and all sorts of media online about it and I just my jaw hits the floor when I just well, not necessarily but unless it was a fight where I thought where I thought that it would go it would definitely go what this particular way for sure and I see oh wow I was completely wrong there. Thank God I didn't pay any money, you know. I, I looked I just look and feel shocked. I mean I was shocked back at UFC two fifty seven when Dustin Poirier won. I generally <laughs> that's an example that I've used like a million times now. I genuinely thought that um Conor McGregor would win, but you know, it was a shock to many people. <laughs> and that shock it stayed in the American community for a good and long while because many people were just talking about how Conor McGregor uh, didn't perform well, he didn't do the right thing. The people just kept on talking, just speaking about that. It's just they wouldn't let it die. That people were saying that he needs to do this, now he needs to do that now, you know, uh, because everybody thought he would win, and that just wasn't the case. You know, it doesn't prove a lot of people wrong. That's so, moving on, you have um, Tyron Woodley and uh, versus Vincent Vincent Luke. Okay, um, the welterweight division. So, Tyron Woodley's um, most recent fight against Colby Covington, or well, I say it's most recent, but when he fought Colby Covington at UFC Vegas 11. Uh, so, Woodley has a, a record of 19 wins and 6 losses. Um, and in terms of his ground game, he does seem to be, he does seem to be one of those fighters that does defend himself really well. And when he's been taken down, and he's trying to. Um, defend himself on the ground he does seem to do that really well um i can't say i'm not sure i'm past proper comments on his um stand-up whether it's good or not or whether it's kind of in the middle um i'm, I'm not gonna uh, well his stand-up let me say let me say as a novice in the sport because i still feel like i'm learning all the time and there's still so much with the sport that i yet to understand or yet to to know his stand-up i'd say it's okay i mean he has a reach of 74 inches and his height of five foot nine um but his reach 74 inches if that means anything uh, well i'll say stand-up's okay now his opponent vincente luke when he fought randy brown at ufc fight night ufc vegas five um, his, now his record he has 19 wins and 7 losses so almost on a comparable level with Tyron Woodley now his stand up is good and so is his kicks and his striking his ground game is good and, he's, and overall though he's a few inches tall at 5 foot 11 his reach is, is about 75 inches so almost the same as Tyron Woodley so these two are if not if you if you overlook their height the difference in their height um, you can say that almost like naturally they're a good match for each other in, in in a fight. So who do I think would win? I think outside of Vincent Vincente Luque, if I'm if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, I, I, in this case I'd probably side with um, Vincent. <laughs> um, moving on, still, yeah, it's uh, we have uh, yeah the main event of the evening. Stipe versus Stipe Miokic. Stipe Miokic. I'm just going to say Stipe versus Francis and Ghana, the heavyweight division. Uh, so, um, of course, it, 
in this fight, um, you can look up the records, but I mean, Ngani is notorious for the power he has and just in his leg kicks and his punches, his striking and jabs and left hooks and whatever you want to call it, you know, the amount of power he can pack behind an attack is, you know, it's just, um, it's crazy. I think Dana White read out something at one of the post-press conferences after a fight or so, or I think it's post or pre, but at a press conference um, for one of the events, he said that um, Francis Ngannou's maximum power output when he's punching something is similar, it's almost on a par with, um, I think, the amount of horsepower that um, a particular model of um, truck that's made by Ford in the US. So it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy um, the amount of power this car can pack it pack behind the attack, whether it's a strike or a leg kick, leg kick, a head kick, or a jab or a hook, left hook or right hook. Now, um, looking at Stipe, um, Stipe, um, looking at his last fight at UFC 252 against Daniel Cormier, uh, his stand up was good. Um, he seems to absorb and deal with shots quite well. He doesn't gas out so easily, and um, yeah, this um, I should have pointed out. This will be a rematch between him and Francis and Garnier since they had a, their first fight at UFC two twenty. Um, so I mean, for me, just um, there was a fight that um, Francis and Garnier had against Joe jo- against Kozanstruk. So, oh wow! There was a fight he had um, against um, Jair Zeno uh, Cousin Strick, um, whereby I think just in the, was it the first or second round, I think um, there was just one left hook, that, just a particular punch that um, uh, and Gani managed, managed to land on his opponent, and it was just at that point he was dropped. Um, Rosin Stroke was dropped and Ngani just moved in to f- just to finish the fight. Now, Ngani's stand-up is very good. He has a long reach uh, when throwing punches. And those, as I made a note here, those um, long-reaching punches are made even worse when they're being used in a counter-strike because, again, as I said before, this guy is known for the amount of power he can pack him to, um, behind an attack, whether it's a leg kick, a punch, um, a strike, or a jab, or a left or right hook. So... Um, does Stipe stand a chance with Francis Ngannou? I don't think so. I mean, um, can I say can I say this? You know, I keep saying it's nice. Can I say this? Um, I think Stipe may have to worry about when. Um, even though I did make a point that that he doesn't kind of absorb attacks and punch strikes and jabs quite well. Um, I think he will have to think about how he may have to kind of dodge or move out of the way. Where Ngani um does um launch an attack with his fists um on Stipe because um again Ngani is known for um, just amounts of power he has he can pack behind a, a counter strike strike or um you know a leg kick or um, a jab or a left or right hook he, because he's that strong that powerful and there's some videos online in the gym where he's trained and uh, you know it just shows some clips of. He's taking some uh, just some his, some of his other um, teammates. He trains with teammates or friends, and I think it just it shows some video of them just punching him in the stomach. And he's just they're punching really hard with all their might, but uh, he's just not feeling that. He's not even feeling it. So I think he's just laughing because maybe just tickles. But that is just testament to how strong this guy is and how much he you know just how much damage he can do, and to the point you know how much damage he 
can potentially take without gassing out. So I think if this were to go one way, if I had to bet, I would say France and Ghana would win. Um, I think it would just be by sheer luck that Stipe would win. But if I really not, I don't have anything against Stipe at all. Um, but if I if I was a betting man, if I had to bet, I would place my money on Francis Ngannou. We're just looking at how, uh, how he fights and how powerful he is. You know, and just the sort of damage he did to um, Jairzino, um Cousin Strike at the last fight that he had with Cousin Strike. You know, even Joe Rogan is saying it on the um, commentary there, cage side. It's just um, people, you know, don't fully understand how powerful Francis Ngannou is when it comes to his striking capability and his punches, you know he's deadly so again in MMA in MMA mixed martial arts 2 plus 2 never equals 4 and it's never as straightforward as you as it would as um, I would like it to be because uh, there's lots of things I've learned um, I've learned about the sport that when something bad happens or when something good happens you think it's because of this reason and you think it's going to be for this straightforward reason and it's re- it rarely ever is the case I mean conversations I've had with people especially people like Charlie and uh, I've first of all I've, I've disagreed with Charlie, but then I've gone back to actually gone away to actually think about what we were talking about, what we we're arguing about, um, about the topic. Related. So maybe something like steroid use or um, the way a fighter behaves in the fight or elsewhere. I've, when I think that actually this person is being stupid or silly, Charlie will point something else out to me and say, no, they're actually doing this because they have to deal, to deal with this. And it would have helped them in the, in the cage, it would have helped them to perform better to actually win the fight. And I go away and think about it and I realise, oh, yeah, actually he may be right. Well, by the sort of straightforward approach that I would have normally taken, um, that probably wouldn't have been reasonable at all in the sort of context we're talking about when it comes to mixed martial arts. So, you know, again, I still have so much to learn about this sport, so I'm very careful with what I say. So, guys, um, I think for I think I'm going to leave that um, rambling there and... Um, Yes, if you did enjoy the episode, if you did enjoy the podcast, please don't forget to leave a like. Don't forget to subscribe. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. My name is Arcojarko1. Twitter, my name is Arcojarko. On Facebook, though many people don't use Facebook anymore, but I still do. My name is Arcojarko. Um, you can listen to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, SoundCloud, um, Apple um, Podcast that is coming soon. And yeah, guys, um, yes, I'm still going to be working on, and I still am working on other things, the intro music, uh, the um, uh, just a new graphics card. Some people have reached out to me on um, Instagram and they've asked me whether I need help um, creating graphics um, background. But I want to see if I can grow the channel, if I can grow the podcast slightly more first before I start to upgrade, to upgrade and change those things, even my equipment, uh, because this is a condenser microphone i'd like to get a short and um, dynamic microphone the sound quality is also better and i don't have to talk, speak so close to the microphone like like i'm doing now um so yeah guys um thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe and to leave a like if you enjoyed the video thanks <laughs>